Welcome to Park Valley Church's Sermon of the Week. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christ follower for years or new to the Christian faith, you have come to the right place. Listen in as one of our campus pastors shares how to apply biblical truth in a tangible way. As you listen, we pray you have an encounter with Jesus that leads to real and lasting life change. Melinda and I moved up here, the, the year we came up here, it was the 10-year anniversary. So I just can't believe that it's been 10 years already. And uh, when, we, when we moved up here uh, to Northern Virginia, we, we came from a church in Florida. And the church in Florida was in a town called Jupiter. Anybody ever been to Jupiter, Florida? Okay, it's in Palm Beach County. Josh back there grew up. He grew up in our youth group uh, there in, in, uh, in Jupiter. And uh, it was kind of a cool place to live because there was a real dichotomy of, of, of people that lived there. And, uh, you know, you have a place called Jupiter Island, which is one of the, the most expensive real estate some of the most expensive real estate in the country is Jupiter Island. And so guys like Tiger Woods and Kid Rock and, and uh, uh, people like that live on Jupiter Island. You know, Lot, lots of big money that, that live there. Professional athletes, uh, Hollywood people, all that, politicians, you know, big, Jupiter Island is a big deal. And you know, one time my, M- Melinda, my wife, was out walking with a friend of hers. Uh, they're out walking on the beach. And uh, so her, her, well, they bumped into somebody and her friend... I said, oh, let me introduce you. This is my friend, Melinda. I want to introduce you to my neighbor, Olivia. They stood there and they talked, you know, talked about beach stuff and family stuff and neighborhood stuff. And so then they, you know, Melinda said, nice to meet you. And they went on their way. And, and Natalie said, her friend Natalie goes, you know who that was? She goes, she said, yeah, Olivia. You said her name was Olivia. She goes, no, Olivia Newton-John. You know, so Melinda stood on the beach and talked to Olivia Newton-John for 15 minutes and had no idea. You know, but we would have those people come to our church. People like that would show up at our church. Joe Namath visited our church. Uh, there, there was a guy that, that uh, uh, ran for president in the 70s. Uh, no, you, he was on an independent ticket. You probably wouldn't know who he was. He was a member of our church. Perry Como, anybody remember Perry Como? If, you know, old timers remember him. Young people, you hear him at Christmas time. You know, he sings uh, 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 all, the, all the old Christmas carols. But he came to our church. And Tim Tuffle from the 86 Mets. Anybody, anybody know the name Tim Tuffle, Tuffle Shuffle, Mets fans? He was a member of our church. So, so we had a lot of people like that at our church. But at the same time, there was a, a pretty significant homeless population in Jupiter, Florida. You know, because if you're going to be homeless, why not be homeless in paradise? You know, and that's what they would tell you. They would say, you know, if I'm going to be homeless anywhere, why not here? And uh, so, so we had a lot of them come to our church as well. You know, and that made sometimes for some very interesting situations. You know, there was one time one of one of our wealthier members, you know, who sat in the same pew every week for for, you know, 30 years or whatever that she had gone to that church. That was her pew. She and her husband sat there every week. One day she got there and there were three or four homeless guys sitting in front of her. And and homeless people don't necessarily smell like people that live in homes. They smell like they've lived in a tent. They smell like campfires, you know. And so she had a real problem with that. So she went and got an usher and insisted that the usher move them. And the usher was kind of like, you know, didn't know what to do, didn't know how to handle this. The, the homeless guys were the polite ones and said, well, we'll just go sit in the balcony. You know, and they apologized. You know, and it's just tragic that, that people would think that way. But apparently that was a problem in the Jerusalem church when James was leading it. Because he took the time to talk about it in the second chapter of James. So look at what he says. 
James uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our gracious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose uh, someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor, you can stand over there or you can sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be, uh, to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom He promised to those who love Him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? So apparently, this was a problem in James' church. Big enough problem that he had to address it. But it wasn't just the, the problem between the rich and the poor. It was, it, was, it was a problem that people were playing favorites. That's the issue, that they were playing favorites. It goes on in verses 8 and 9, and it says, yes, in, yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in Scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. People in James' church were playing favorites. They were showing favoritism from one, uh, one person, over one person to the next. And in his case, it was the wealthy and the poor, you know, but it wasn't that wasn't just the issue. It was that they were playing favorites. And he reminds them that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. And, and we know Jesus said that in the Gospels, but both James and Jesus were quoting Leviticus 19.18 that says this, don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the, the, the guiding principle on how we're to treat people, that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it doesn't just mean the absence of malice towards people. You know, it's not thou shalt tolerate thy neighbor, it's thou shalt love thy neighbor. And the word love in that verse is the Greek word agape, which means unconditional love. Unconditional love. So this goes way beyond, way beyond just being nice and being kind to people. It goes way beyond that. It says this kind of love is the love of Jesus working in us and spilling out into the lives of those around us. That's what that kind of love looks like. So when James says you're, you're playing favorites, what he's saying is you're not loving the way Jesus loves. You're cherry-picking the people that you're going to demonstrate love to. But we're supposed to love everyone the way that Jesus loves them. So think about it this way. You know, we talked about homeless people in Jupiter. We're starting to see more and more homeless people in this area. You know, in the last few years, that, that number of, of people that are, that are living in the streets has grown. You know, driving here today, I saw three on a Sunday morning. I saw three people standing on street corners with signs. You know, it's becoming more and more of a problem. And so, so uh, you know, sometimes we'll be driving, maybe stop at a light, and we'll see somebody that'll, you know, hand money out the window to them or hand some food. Some people will even go and, and you know, make, make an extra effort to go and buy them a meal and come back to that intersection and hand it to them. That's all awesome. And we look at that and we say, wow, that's unconditional love. That's unconditional love. And maybe it is. But, but think about it. You know, that, that may just be driven by a sense of compassion or a sense of mercy, or a sense of pity, and that's all fine. Those are still good reasons to help somebody in that situation. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's unconditional love. 
So think about it like this. You know, when I started talking about the homeless problem in our area, there's a good chance that you, uh, in your mind, there was, had, a, had a picture of what that looks like. And maybe, maybe you, you, you know, in your mind, you pictured somebody that you've seen recently standing at a street corner, or maybe somebody you've stopped and helped, or just kind of the stereotypical, you know, this is what that situation looks like. You, you formed that picture in your mind, and then you formed opinions about that person based on that picture. All right? Now, let's, so let's, let's just say most of us probably had a picture of a, a, a man in his 30s or 40s that's got a scraggly beard and old clothes and, and, and tattered shoes and he's dirty and he's got a sign that, you know, he just pulled, pulled some cardboard out of a dumpster and scribbled on it that he needed help. That's the picture we have. Well, change that picture now to a young woman who looks scared to death. Her, her face is bruised and she's obviously expecting a baby. Now you feel differently. You form a different opinion based on how you feel about that person. Or maybe, maybe your first, the picture in your mind was at first a picture of compassion. You know? So let's go the other direction. Maybe now that, that, that uh, a person that you pictured is, is, is a man with a you know, scraggly beard and he's dirty and his clothes, clothes are messed up and, and obviously old and, and uh, he, he looks like he's probably, probably got an, an addiction problem, which many of those people do. It's tragic, you know, but, but also it's a man and he's dressed like a woman. Does your opinion change? Do your feelings change about that situation? Now, I'm not saying all of this to put a guilt trip on anyone or, or to cause any shame in anyone's life. That's not why I'm saying that. You know, you know we, we all react differently. We all have certain feelings about those situations, you know, and they're all unique to us. And, and there are feelings. There's nothing wrong with them. You know, you, your feelings are not sins. What I'm trying to say is that are we looking at those people the way Jesus looks at them? Is our, our, is our mercy for that person contingent on our opinion of that person? The point I'm trying to make is that what James is talking about, that as followers of Jesus, we need to look everyone, look at everyone the same way Jesus looks at them. That's what, that's what unconditional love looks like. We look at them the same way Jesus looks at them. And when we look at the world through the eyes, through the lens of our faith in Christ, the natural response is good works. The natural response to look at, look at people through the lens of our faith in Christ, the natural response is good works. Serve them. And that's what this, that's what this series is all about, a faith that works. All right, we talked last week about uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I want to look at verse 10. Remember, 2, 8, 9 says, God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Our salvation has nothing to do with good works, has nothing to do with any effort we put into it. It is all about what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's what our salvation is. But look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece created new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Our salvation is all about what Jesus did for us. When we get saved, we become a new creation for a purpose. And that purpose is to do the good things He planned for us. The purpose is for good works. The purpose is to serve others. All right? And when you were saved, 
That's the purpose God put in your heart. And the evidence of our faith is more than just believing, it's doing. Look at James uh, chapter 2, verse 19. It says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the de- demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Okay? If, if your faith in God stops at your belief in, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, James says, good job, good job. But the demons even believe that because it's truth. But he goes on and he says, how foolish. Can't you see that without faith, good deeds is useless? The evidence of our faith is not what we know. It's not how much scripture we can memorize. It's, it's not even the absence of sin. All those things are great, and we should, we should aspire to all of those things. We should, we should aspire to know more about God's Word, to know more scripture, to, to have a life that is characterized by sinlessness. But the point of our faith is that we're serving others, that we're, that we're doing good deeds, good works. Look at verse 18, uh, going back a verse. It says, Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. What we do for others is the evidence of our faith. Serving others is the evidence of our faith. Now last week we talked about Uh, uh, foundations of a faith that works. This week we're going to talk about evidence of a faith that works. And that evidence is what we're doing for others. How are we serving other people? So I want to give you two commitments that every believer needs to make if we're going to have a faith that works. If we're going to follow through with that and say, I want my faith to be characterized by what I'm doing for others. You know, Jesus did for me. I want that love to overflow in the lives of people around me. I want to be characterized. I want my faith to be characterized by what I'm doing for others. So two commitments I want to give you. The first one is I'm going to commit to show mercy instead of judgment. I'm going to commit to show mercy instead of judgment. Look at verses 12 and 13. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when He judges you. Now, the judgment James is talking about is not the judgment that, that, uh, that, that we experience at the time when we are judged for our salvation. That's a different judging. You know, there's a time we all stand before God. God looks at us and says, you know, either, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you accepted Jesus as your Savior, or He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you, because you never accepted Jesus as your Savior. That's, that's one judgment. That's not the judgment He's talking about. He's talking about judging us based on our uh, 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 good deeds, based on what we do here on this earth. So there's, there's two, two things to think about when it comes to the judgment James is talking about. First, there is that judgment when we will all stand before God and we will be recognized and rewarded for the things that we do for Christ on this earth. <clears throat> I talked about this not too many weeks ago. You know, the, the good things that you do will be represented, uh, whether figuratively or literally, will be represented by gold, silver, and precious stone. The things you do for selfish reasons or, or to hurt people or whatever, that'll all be represented by wood, hay, and stubble. It's all put into one pile. It's all set on fire. The only thing that's left is the gold, silver, and precious stone because wood, hay, and stubble burns in a fire. And so you take that, you fashion it into a crown, and put it at the feet of Jesus. So the question is, how big is your pile going to be after the fire is lit? 
That's the judgment they're talking about. You're going to be rewarded for what you do on this earth. So if you are, if you are merciful on this earth, you're going to be re rewarded for the amount of mercy that you show. Now, the other thing to think about is that all of us are subject to the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. Uh, Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. So if you show mercy, if you are a merciful person, then God will show you mercy. That's the way the law of sowing and reaping works. If you are a merciless person, God will be merciless to you. And others will be merciful or merciless to you. If you show mercy to others, they'll show mercy back. If you are merciless to others, they'll be merciless back. Okay? You know, you, you think about, you know, just, just the, are, are, you, are you characterized among the people that know you by being judgmental? You know, I, I mean, is your conversation kind of peppered with statements like, you believe what she wore to church this morning? You know, or, or did you hear the way he spoke to his kids? Or, or did you see how many donuts he ate at church? You know, and not just church stuff, but, you know, anywhere. If you're you know, at, at work, at school, wherever you are, if you're characterized by making judgmental statements all the time, what's going to happen when you make a mistake? What are other people going to say about you? Are they going to say, oh, you know, he's such a great guy. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's sad. I'm, I'm sorry that happened to him. Or are they going to say, well, he had it coming. You know, if you, if you are showing mercy, your, your conversation demonstrates mercy, God is going to show mercy to you through other people showing mercy to you. That's the law of sowing and reaping. And, and just to be clear, mercy is not, is not pity. It's different than pity. When you think about it, God is merciful to us because God is merciful. When he introduced himself the very first time in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, he was talking to Moses, you know, before he had, he had introduced himself to Abraham, to Moses, to Noah, but he just said, here's my name, here's who I am. You know, I am God. Actually, he didn't even say his name at that point. When he talked to Moses, that's the first time he actually said his name. When he said, I am Elohim, he said, I am. And then he said, I am the God of mercy and compassion. The first time he describes himself, he says, I'm the God of mercy. So God, God shows us mercy because he is merciful. He doesn't show us mercy because we're pitiful. Whether we deserve it or not, he shows us mercy. And we need to be the same way. When we demonstrate mercy, we need to look at people and, and, and say, say, you know, I, I, you probably don't deserve this. You know, it doesn't matter what, who you are or where you came from or what you've done. It doesn't even matter how much you've hurt me. I'm going to show you mercy because God showed me mercy. That's what it looks like. That's what, that's what agape love looks like. That regardless of who that person is, you're going to demonstrate mercy. You're going to demonstrate the love of Christ to them, even if they've hurt you. That's what it looks like. Second commitment is this. I'm going to commit to talk less and do more. Talk less and do more. Verses 14 through 16 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can this kind of uh, faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and say, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? 
You know, what good does it do just to wish somebody well when they're suffering or when they're hurting? A faith that works follows up with actions. It follows up with actions. And, and you know, last week we talked about distractions, how sometimes our own, our own situation, our, our own uh, hurts and, and things can be such a distraction, we're so focused on those that we don't even notice that other people need help. I was, I was sitting in a coffee shop several weeks ago, and uh, I'm at a table, and there's, there's two, two ladies at a table next to me. And, and, and I couldn't help but listen to their conversation. And one lady said, oh, I just, you know, uh, my husband and I, we just, you know, we hardly talk anymore. It's just like we, we live in separate homes. Or, or we live in the same home but lead separate lives. And I was like, oh, that's, that's terrible. So the, the girl sitting across from her said, yeah, my son's really having a tough time adjusting to preschool. And the other lady says, you know, he's so busy with work and, you know, my schedule's so hectic. It's like we just can't even make time for each other. And the other lady says, yeah, you know, he comes home from preschool and he's just exhausted, you know, it's just, it's really, and I'm just like, are you two even listening to each other? You know, it's like you're carrying on two different conversations. But, you know, they were both so focused on their own situation that they didn't even recognize that the person across the table was going, I need help, you know? So we've got to not be distracted by whatever's going on in our life. We can't be so distracted that we miss what's going on in other people's lives. And when you're aware of what's going on in other people's lives and you have that agape love, that love of Christ flowing through you, then you respond with action, not words. It's, it's easy when somebody tells us what's wrong. It's easy to give them advice. It's easy to tell them where to go to find help. It's easy to tell them what to do. That's the easy part. But it takes a little bit more effort to step up and say, let me help you. And that's what a faith that works is characterized by. Now, now that doesn't necessarily mean that when you say, I'm going to help somebody, doesn't mean that you're saying, okay, I'm going to commit you know, hours every week for the rest of my life helping this person. That's not what it means. You know, maybe that's your calling. If God leads you to do that, that's awesome. But it could just be something simple like, let's just stop and pray for him. Stop right there, wherever it is, wherever they're saying, hey, hey, you know, I'm really struggling in my marriage. Let's pray about your marriage right now. You know, and, and, and it might just be doing something small. You, you may not be able to solve their problems long term, but you can do something today to, to lighten their burden a little bit. You know, you, you, if they've got car problems, you might not be able to fix their car, but you can give them a ride today. You know, if they've got health problems, you, you, may, not be able to, you may not be able to solve their health issue, but you can, you can bring a meal to their house. Lighten their load a bit, little bit. If they've got financial problems, you might not, you might not have the wherewithal to help them with financial issues or, or whatever. But, you know, you can buy, buy them lunch today. It's, it's those kind of things that, that it, that's us stepping out and saying, I'm going to talk less and I'm going to do more. And when you're giving people help, you're giving them hope. Because the more you help people, especially those that are in need that are in your life constantly, and you're giving them help, who are they going to go to when they have a spiritual problem? The person that was all talk and no action? Probably not. They're going to go to the person that demonstrated, I care about you, so I'm going to, I'm going to put some feet to my faith and show you how much I care about you. And you're going to earn the trust of that person. And at some point, you're going to be able to look at them and say, hey, you know, we're good friends, I, you're, you know, or, you know we're, we're family, and I, I love you, and I just want you to know 
how much Jesus loves you. And, and I want you to know about the change that he's made in my life, the transformation he's made in my life. You can bring up those things and not, not, not be judged, not, be, be, not offend them, because they know that you care about them. And it's all because we talk less and we do more. We show mercy instead of judgment. That's the key. Let me have every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, all, all of us are here today. We know somebody that needs help. We know people that, that are struggling in different areas. You know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you today. I'm going to ask you to make those commitments today. Those two commitments. I'm going I'm to sh- show mercy instead of judgment. I'm going to talk less and do more. So if you're here today and you say, yeah, I'm going to make those commitments. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be the person that says, yeah, let me help. Let me pray for you. Let me handle that for you. Okay? If that's you today, I want you to lift your hand. You're going to make those commitments today. I want you to lift your hand because I want to pray for you. All right? Hands going up all over the place. I tell you what, this, uh, this is how you reach a community for Jesus, is saying, hey, I'm going to serve you. The Bible is very clear that, that a church that loves each other and serves its community is going to win that community. So if your hand's up, I want to pray for you right now. Father, thank you for, for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, thank you that, that he loved us enough to die for us and that he takes up residence within us. And, and Lord, if we, if we just submit to him, Lord, we can let his love overflow through us to the people around us. So God, I pray for the people that have their hands up, that lifted their hands, that, that you, would, you would just strengthen them. Lord, give them wisdom and courage. Lord, sometimes we don't step up because we're, we're afraid. We don't step up. We, 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 just, we, we avoid being nice because we're afraid to put ourselves out there. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of offending people. God, help us to not be afraid. Help us to have courage to say, I'm going to help that person. I'm going to do this for that person. I'm going to pray with that person. So God, every, everybody that's raised their hand this morning, Lord, I pray that you would just, just bless them, give them that strength and courage to be able to do that. Lord, I pray that you would use them in a great way. Lord, every week I pray that you would put somebody in our path that needs the love of Jesus. I pray that this week that would happen for these people that raise their hand. They would, they would see somebody, meet somebody, uh, encounter somebody at work, at school, uh, uh, at the gym, wherever, but somebody that needs the love of Jesus and give them the courage to show it. Give them the courage to not be judgmental to, and to, to, to not just talk, but they would show mercy and love and they would put action to their faith. All right, still with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you've, you've, never, you've never stopped and said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. The only way to spend eternity in heaven is through a relationship with Jesus. And so if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you today, if, if today is the day you say, I want to do that, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to put your hand up because I want to pray for you that I'm going to lead you uh, in a prayer. Okay? So if, you're, if your hand is up, and you know, it's, just a, it's simple. It's a matter of, of praying and saying, God, I believe that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day so that I can have eternal life and I put my trust in him. I confess my sin and ask for forgiveness. And it's that simple. You just, make, you just verbalize that commitment. If you're struggling to find the words, you can pray just something like this and say, Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he was crucified, buried, 
and rose again on the third day so that I can have eternal life. And today I choose to follow him. Today I choose to accept him as my savior. I confess that I'm a sinner and that nothing I can do on my own can earn your forgiveness. But Jesus' death on the cross paid for my forgiveness. So I ask your forgiveness today. And I give my life to Christ. So if you just prayed that, if you just prayed that I want you to do a couple things. First, on your way out, there is a, 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 a black bag hanging in the, the lobby there. Grab one of those black bags, and there's some stuff in there for you. There's a Bible and some other information. And I want you to tell somebody that you made that, that commitment today, that you prayed to receive Christ. I think there's even on your, your uh, sermon notes, the, the little tear-off part, there's a place you can mark, I pray to receive Christ today. Mark that, drop it in the box on the way out, or hand it to an usher. But tell somebody. Don't walk away and, and, and keep that to yourself. You need people in your life that are going to encourage you. And also our prayer team is down here. If you uh, want to talk with one of them about the decision that you just made, whether you made a commitment to be a servant or you made a commitment to follow Jesus for the first time, or if you just have a prayer need, whatever it is, they're there here for you. So let's, let's, uh, let's close out in prayer today. Father, we are, uh, again, grateful for your love. God, I pray that, that uh, you would just uh, bless everyone in this room. Lord, I pray that you would deepen our commitment to, to serve Jesus. Lord, I pray that people would see it in our lives. Lord, Lord, convict us of the sin that's in our life that keeps us from, from serving you and keeps us from growing to be more like Christ. Lord, help us to understand the forgiveness that you offer to those that, that sin. And God, I, I, again, I pray that, that everyone in this room, Lord, that you would put somebody in their path that needs love of Jesus and give us the courage to show it this week. And God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for sending Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you accepted Christ, want to accept Christ, or just want to see what Park Valley Church is about, you can email us at info at parkvalleychurch.com. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.